Go ahead, Ray. You! You worthless piece of slime! You ignorant, disgusting clown! Nothing but an unstable short chain molecule! It's the stuff. It's like pure concentrated evil. It's all flowing right to this spot. Material devolution has begun. It is the 14th episode of the podcast. We aren't just going strong. We're getting stronger. Matt Walter, how you doing today, brother? Doing good. Stronger by the day. I got the eye of the tiger. Oh, you're like uh, that lady coming out of jail for not letting gay people marry. Just blasting eye of the tiger. That's right, Kim Davis. Yeah, I heard Survivor wasn't a fan. They were I'm not. Used to that song. They but, were not. Uh, she's a survivor. It's a tough, tough world out there not doing your job. It's tough being a bigot. Yeah, it's tough not doing the job you were paid to do. Right. Interesting. Anyways, that's not our topic today. That's not our topic. Because, I mean... Because that really bores me, actually. That's I'm not just sick like, and tired of that's the That's not like shooting fish in a barrel. That's like shooting fish at the, you know, the fish markets. Right. Like, they're, they're not even, you know, in the barrel moving. That's like, like, not locking her up is like not arresting somebody for driving drunk. I mean, Dar- Darwin will prove its course, and I'm sure she'll, you know, accidentally eat a can of lye or something one of these days. Anyways, on to the, the podcast, Matt. Uh, we're doing a fun one this week. Sometimes things are just in the moment, in the zone, in the zeitgeist, as they say. It just resonates with you. Ad hoc. And, I, you know, I saw this in the news, and it just struck a chord with me. I sent it your way as a possible topic, and you said, let's, let's do it. You know, it's got a bunch of stuff that we just started chatting about. So I'll kind of just give a little affront to it. I don't want to play too much. You know, in the future... We might actually start playing the video or the audio, at least, of something like this, just so you can get looped in. But you can listen to it if you want online. Basically, there's a comedian and YouTube star named Nicole Arbor, who has, I guess, millions of subscribers. I don't follow a lot of YouTube celebrities, but I do understand the concept. Different people with personalities. They have their little, you know, Tosh.0 rants. It's kind of like us. Yeah, kind of like us. Yeah, in shorter term format, it's a little more cut and paste. Five minutes, ten minutes, entertain people. Right, they really hit you with it. Pick right. a controversial topic. We're going to you know, use a lot of spices and edits to make it edgy, yeah. make it funny. It's like that right balance between being controversial but being entertaining. Uh-huh. You know, It's basically like the Fox News take on entertainment, which really does work with people. If you keep it you know, quick and hitting from a lot of different entertaining angles, it doesn't even matter what you're saying. People want to watch usually. So, thank you, Michael Bay. Thank you. Yeah, Trans- Transformers 6 coming to a theater near you. So many edits. With or without Shia You won't know if it's beginning or ending. <laughs> so uh, she had a, a recent video that really just, I guess, you know, set off the zeitgeist, like I said, because I never heard of her. She's put out dozens of videos with tens of millions of views. I never heard of her. She puts out this video. She gets the tens of millions of views. But now we're reading about her, you know, in, in Google News and trending on Yahoo and things like that. Well done. Well, well done. If that was your goal was to be an attention whore, job well done. Gold star for you. So the video she put out, it was called Dear Fat People, and it's a six-minute you know, rant, essentially, against the idea that fat shaming is a real threat to be concerned about. And she basically just lambasted fat people in general in a sometimes somewhat entertaining way, most of the time very mean-spirited, in my opinion. Uh, and... It really resonated with people because her YouTube, Google Plus channels were disabled temporarily. Like, she was getting censored for it. Like, so many people had contacted 
I guess Google and YouTube about this. That's that, a big deal. That they temporarily pulled it. So you know, I'll just you know. Doesn't ISIS post their videos on YouTube? Yeah, yeah ISIS doesn't get pulled. <laughs> I, hey, hey, it's is that to, doesn't that happen? It's totally cool to like do like a bunch of fake executions of random people as a promotional tool for your jihadi group. Just don't say bad things about fat people. <laughs> that's the line. That's the line that's just too far. You don't, ever do that. You don't cross that. No. So, uh, basically. Here are some of the cho choice quotes I'm just going to throw out there, and then we'll kind of get into the general discussion, Matt. Uh, so, quote one, fat shaming is not a thing. Fat people made that up. That's the race card with no race. Yeah, but you couldn't fit into a store. That's discrimination. Uh, no, that means you are too fat, and you should stop eating. Or just stop shopping. So that's quote one. Quote two. Are you going to tell the doctor that they are mean and fat shaming you when they say you have effing heart disease? And in quote three, if we offend you so much that you lose weight, I'm okay with that. You're killing yourself. I'll sleep at night. Maybe I'm jealous that you get to eat whatever you want. Quote three. So uh, let's just get into it, Matt. Uh, I can't tell how serious this woman is. Because she is a YouTube celebrity, semi-trolling the internet with a quasi-comical take on a controversial subject. So yeah, but those cut really close, dude. I mean, like that's oh no, that's why it resonated so much. Yeah, it, I mean, it's that's razor thin right there. Here's the thing: <clears throat> every kind of shaming exists. It is a thing. You don't have to think it's a thing or a. Uh, uh, a valid thing because a race can be pointed out. I, I don't. I don't understand why one shaming would be a thing and one shaming would not be a thing. I, I don't. I don't understand why she's saying it's a race card without race. That doesn't make any sense to me because there is a distinct difference between people who are fit and people who are obese. And so, and people that are black or brown or white well, or whatever. What she says is so, the race card with no race. What, she they, say, what she's saying is in some no. manner that's different. I when, don't get it. when she's saying it's the race card with no race. What I think she's saying is that you're not playing a role in whether you're born African-American or, or Mexican, okay. but you do play a role you. in whether you're overweight. Okay. So you're basically trying to play this like, you know, like, like you should you discriminate this to me yourself part. and then you're upset that we're discriminating you, you for it. Like we're discriminating you for a condition you created on yourself. You created on your own. Right. Exactly. And she does put that, you know, quasi uh, qualifier in there where she specifically in the first minute goes, you know, and this is not for people who have a specific health condition that causes them to be overweight or, right. pe or people who are just a little chubby. She's like, I'm talking about the 35% of people who are killing themselves, you know, that have like diabetes and heart condition diseases and all this stuff. You know, America is the fattest nation in the world. Yeah. They're, 50, over 50%, right? You That's know, the latest, the latest number for the uh, diabetes or pre-diabetic 50% of Americans. I'm not sure what it is. It's not good. Yeah. Definitely not good. I think I just uh, read that on BBC, like seriously yesterday. I mean, I, I listened to her whole thing, and like I said, her tone is very comical at times. So I really am not sure. Like I said, I'm sure some of it's true, but some of it feels like a troll to me, almost. But uh, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. She does have a point. People do do it to themselves. Yeah, well, here's the thing. So the do I think that the, this is the right way to deliver that message? No. But I will say that I do think that overweight people need to understand that they are hurting themselves, right? Like you, you're, 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 at, you're putting yourself at higher risk for things. And 
just like a smoker. So, and we've moved those people to the margins now of society in like major cities. We don't allow smoking in, inside because it harms other people though, not because it harms themselves. That's so, true. I, that was the very interesting dynamic to me because, you know, we've talked about it before, I think, on the podcast, that sugar has the chemical equivalency of cocaine on the brain. Right. And most rich foods, they break down into sugars. Am I right? Yeah. You know? So basically, that bread, that pasta, that's having a cocaine-like effect right. on your brain. And yeah. most people don't want to acknowledge this as a fact of science because the truth is, Food is fuel. So you, the fact that you, you're you, addicted you, to food, it's we understand. We don't need to eat to enjoy it. That's no. that's a benefit of the fact that because we've cultured the world so much and civilizations progressed that we've got a diverse array array of foods and vegetables and fruits to eat and sauces well, and different ways to cook so them. You do eat it, right? it but but it doesn't need to be good for us to eat. If there was only disgusting food to eat, we would eat it. But would people be fat? They wouldn't. Right. They only fat because of the cocaine in the food, the sugar. Because I help with cocaine in food. I know, it's crazy. It's like the government's involved or something. <laughs> Anyways, so, you know, we're basically saying that, you know, this food is the equivalent of hardcore drugs. Right. So what happens when somebody is a hardcore drug user? They become disheveled and they show the signs of being a hardcore drug user, which is normally loss of weight, maybe some sores on the face. And depends on the drug. But depends on the drug. But what happens when people eat too much? But, well, let's, let's keep going down that same road first because, I, of course, it, there's an interesting dichotomy that it's like, oh, the person is a drug addict, you know, their body's getting like skinnier and it's getting unhealthy. And, and, and well, well, the person is overeating, their body's getting bigger. Well, but, I know, but let's continue down the first road too. because I like what you're doing here. So, that first person, right, they're getting scabs, maybe not their heroin or, or coke right, or whatever, well, you know, they're scabs, the this, We're that. Talking. So, things are bad. What is society's reaction to this? Oh, my God. People, people, the dregs people, of the earth. We people, don't want to be around people, them. Keep them over in Skid Row. That's right. People talk shit about you. They, they, they not only shame you, they disown you. They toss you on the wayside of the road. And what's the what's the normal, acceptable behavior for getting you to course correct in intervention? Right. Which is all your friends and loved ones coming together and telling you basically that they love you. Pretty much shaming you they, until you break. But yeah, they shame you until, they, until you break. They tell you how much they love you. But while they're shaming you, they tell you how much they, <laughs> they that's, love That's you. why it's such a, a brutal thing. Anyone who's ever been a part of one, I love like, you, which I have. But I hate what you're doing right now. Here's a story of where you really, really hurt me tremendously. You're going to be hearing a lot of these stories yes. in the next hour. So basically, we've, Buckle all, up. we've all accepted that that's the acceptable thing for society to do. If you have an addict in your family, you should either disown them or you should have an intervention where you shame the person into correcting their course of behavior. And everyone's like, yep, that's the right thing to do. Well, yeah. But guess what? When you eat your cocaine in food form, we don't do that. We don't do that because we've acknowledged that, hey, this is a different type of addiction. Even though it's affecting your brain in the same way, it's not affecting your behavior in the same way, but it is affecting your health. But here's, the, but, here's, but here's the kicker. This is the differentiator. This is it. And I just freaking picked up on it while you were while you were talking. Make the breakthrough. Go. The difference is 
the people in the room in the intervention were affected by that shit. Directly. Directly affected. Maybe got some jewelry stolen, maybe had their, you know, whatever, some, you know, some, went through some Not, trying times. Definitely. For saw some, some bad things. For some people, it, it might just be like, we used to be best friends. We used to be and, cool and, and I never talked to you. Now we don't hang out so because yeah. you're a junkie. So, so it, it you used that. to be good at sports, and I used to love to watch you and live vicariously through you, son. And then now you're a junkie. So you're spot on there. But did you see the connection I made there at the end? Which is the discourse is different because you're hurting other people. But what it's doing to your health is the exact same thing exact as the junkie. Yeah. You were killing yourself. Yeah. You're so ki- you're killing yourself by eating this cocaine. So that's the deal. In the large deal. amounts over time. Are are we not? Are we not? It are, have we become so insulated and so me, me, me that we don't intervene and be, for the sake of, of, of somebody's feelings um, in the case of obesity and overeating uh, because it doesn't really affect us that much and we're just like, oh, whatever. Or is it because like most families that it's actually something that is, that is you know, it, it, the whole family unit is the same, is heavy. You know, you just don't know sometimes because I always ask myself, do we want a society in which people are free from criticism, right or wrong? Basically, that's what it does. In one society, you might get criticized for being fat. You might get fat shamed. In other societies, you might get rewarded for it. They're poor societies, and the only fat people are the rich people because they're the only people who can afford to be fat. So they're celebrated and people look up to them and in magazines and posters there, people are slightly overweight because it's a sign of well-being and health because everyone's skinny and poor and malnutritioned. Right. There's a lot of countries like that actually. Well. So do we really want a society though where people are immune from criticism, whether valid or invalid? Isn't dealing with criticism of one's appearance or behaviors just a form of social pattern recognition and that's what we use to learn about the world? You know what I mean? But we learn from the world that if you're excessively overweight, people tend to treat you in a way which makes you feel bad about yourself. Your response to that should be, I need to fix what that reaction is because I don't like getting that reaction. Instead, people are like, I don't like getting that reaction. You shouldn't make me have that reaction. Yeah, so people don't claim responsibility of their own like emotional response. Well, you know, it's like... If you were excessively overweight and you were walking down the street, you wouldn't want me to make a disparaging remark, and I would never do that, you know? But if I saw somebody who was excessively overweight, I couldn't help but instantaneously have that split-second thought about, like, oh, man, how's this person so disgustingly overweight? You know, they're 300 pounds over on a scooter or something with jelly rolls hanging off both the sides. No matter who you are, you can't help but be trained to have these momentary thoughts about things when you see them, you know, what we're in the behavior of recognizing patterns and having instinctive reactions and we instinctively see that and we see it's wrong and it's unhealthy and it disgusts us with the, the level of excessive unhealth it has. It's a natural reaction. That doesn't mean I'm going to say anything, but I'm going to be thinking it no matter what, no matter what society does. And basically, are you saying you want to be blind to the fact that people are going to think these things about you? You know, it's like some people are going to cross that line and say something. And that sucks. These people should be put in check and told, you know, that's not cool. But when that happens, your reaction shouldn't be, don't ever criticize me. It should be like, yeah, that's not cool of you to criticize me, but I should acknowledge I'm being criticized for a reason. The way our society reacts to criticism is so much like 
who are you to criticize? Instead of being like, you know what, who are you to criticize? And let me look at myself and see why I was being Well, they criticized. don't take it. There's no such thing as constructive criticism anymore. There's right? no such thing as valid criticism. And, and I think that's a little bit like, and I hate, you know, it's a, the, the, the politically correct thing, right? There is a lot of that going on. And, and we can say that, you know, some political correctness, it might take it a little too, too far. Some political correctness uh, is maybe not enough or maybe people like think it, uh, flimsy. I think it just comes down to respect and, and respecting, you know, people and, and differences and, and those. And, and so using terms in, 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 no, in that manner in a respectful way, right? Like, you know, like the, you know, the black person or the African-American, or, you know, whatever, and not way. using like, yeah. you know, other, other, you know, uh, epithets. Yes. Um, so basically that, that's kind of, what what I was what I was getting at with that, I don't know. I mean, you're stuck here, Matt. It's like it's like you don't know where you want to. I'm not sure which way. I, I'm not sure which way I want. I want to go with you. It have a lot of empathy, and I know that. I do. I have empathy, but here's the deal. Here's the thing. I also take care of myself. I work really hard to take care of myself. I, I you know I mean we work out. You and I and and the people that we run with are all very very avid exercise athletically minded people we do it because we like it we do it because it makes us feel good we do it because it makes us look good and therefore in turn like you know we we're healthy and so i i take health very seriously i do understand that there are pitfalls that people fall in at an early age or or, or things outside of their control like economic um your family you know, environment what your family, family environment what they feed you i mean mm -hmm. like shit, man i grew up on like, white your, bread your i would never eat white bread in my life anymore but that's something i grew up on i know that food that is cheap and processed which is normally not as good for you is cheaper so people feed their families with that because they can't afford to eat better like organic foods expensive some of the other health foods expensive it's it's sometimes it's expensive to be healthy but it's not expensive to go walk around your block once in a while and it's not expensive to go run down the street once in a while and it's not expensive to uh, you know <clears throat> go play basketball in the park or go kick a soccer ball or go play whatever right so those things aren't expensive what is expensive is healthcare costs to keep rising in this country that's something that's expensive and it can be with a little bit of monitoring from people and so that's my stance on it is that i do empathize that there are situations that put people in the places that cause these things to happen as far as being obese or, or whatever but i really think that we need to fix the problem inside the mind of that person there's something going on in there that we need to talk about so that they feel good about themselves. Because only the only way that you would let yourself continuously do that would be either what we've already talked about being addiction, and then it would be an emotional instability. Yeah, and I do want to come from that place of empathy because like I said, even though you have that momentary reaction where you might be disgusted by the state of that person's health, that doesn't mean you're disgusted by that person as a human being. You don't see them as a person and want to put a mechanism in place to help them. I think the real problem when why this video resonated so much was it was the perfect combination of a valid message with the wrong messenger. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you don't need a beautiful, entitled, <laughs> elitist white lady on YouTube going on some clever, witty spiel about why fat people should lose weight. I mean like that's 100% the wrong messenger. 
and it's just going to inflame and upset people and cause them to basically invalidate the criticism because it's not told in a message that's very loving. You know what I mean? Like nobody is going to take this message, even with her caveats and her thing at the end about even like caring people and wanting people around longer. That's why I said it was kind of trolling is at the end, you know, then she turns into this like from place of love, like we want you around longer, which is the real reason. It's like, you know, if you have anybody who you know who's overweight, where it's not just like they're a little chubby, but it's affecting their health, it's like, we care about you. We, we'd love to have you around an extra 20, 30 years. We'd love you to be able to hang out with us at the park and not get tired if we want to go for a hike or a walk or something. But the point was is that it is shock and awe. That was like her... That was That's why she's a YouTube, you know, a YouTube star. She's got to do that fine line between satire, parody, and, you know, like, truthful outrage. Right. Right. So pick a controversial topic, side towards the controversial side of the topic, and make it somewhat funny and semi-facetious so you can always be like, but I was just kidding, you know? You could tell, see how many jokes I threw in there? Right. Look, making somebody, making fun of somebody because they're fat, just because they're fat, and, 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 and making them feel bad about themselves. And, well, she's, and not even talking about, them. she's not talking about making fun of people, but they're talking no, about like fat shaming, where like what society I'm... makes you feel like you should be ashamed of yourself for being in this state of health. And you yeah, know, but don't you think that's a little bit like, uh, I mean, isn't that borderline belittling somebody? Well, they said, like, you're fat shaming me by making me buy two airline seats. Well, I fly a lot, and I'll tell you. Uh, this is one of those issues, right? Like, is that fat shaming? They're, they're taking up two seats. One per, The person next to them isn't happy if, the if, they, if that, they don't buy another seat. Hey, right. I, I, honestly, I, I, that's, that's, a valid, that's valid. You're bigger than me. You take up more space. If I check the luggage, it takes up more space. i got to pay for it. Should you pay more healthcare taxes when you're obese? They should definitely, definitely, definitely do physicals. They like you know annually, whatever way they want to do them, and and you and the way that you rank and score on that, they should definitely change your 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 deductible based on that. It's funny. Think of how many of your friends who are cigarette smokers. You give them shit about smoking cigarettes. Oh, all the time. And, and that's the funny thing is. They, they, they've kind of like accepted they, they hate it but they're just so used to it they're kind of like yeah everyone always does this to me that's life I'm just going to keep smoking it's like we almost respect you because it's like you keep putting up with it you keep doing it right it's the exact opposite you know people who are like no you just don't even say anything you don't say anything it's the exact opposite you, you wouldn't ever say that to your friend who's overweight like hey man you need to stop eating well I think it depends on how close you are to that person but you might say it nicely, but if somebody's smoking cigarettes, you go to them and say, you need to quit smoking. Yeah. That, that is disgusting. Your teeth are yellow. You smell bad. Nobody wants to hang around you when you're doing it. You're blowing 300 bucks a month on that when you don't need to. You're already, you're already broke. What are you doing? What are you doing? Clean yourself up. And the person's like, ah, shit, you're right. But you know, it tastes so good. Yeah, like, yeah I know. I can't wait to talk like this. You know, like imagine going up to a friend of yours who's fat and being like, you need to stop eating. You're 70 pounds overweight. Yeah, give me that. You start, you start sweating when you walk up two flights of stairs. You have hamburgers for breakfast. Give me that cheeseburger. And the guy's like, yeah, but I love my cheeseburger. It, like, this, this scenario just doesn't make any sense. It's like some like Dostoevsky novel of the double where you're living in some alternate timeline where the mechanism is something that hurts your health. But how you can treat it and react to it is so crazily different. Is it because everybody's got to eat? Because it's fundamental. We're very disconnected from our food in this society, you know? 
you know. Right, it doesn't just sustain us. Except for like you know the last few hundred years of civilization. Of I get <laughs> yeah, exactly. But for the last few hundred years of civilization, everyone hunt or grew their own food, or you went to the local store where that food was hunted or gathered directly near where you were located. You didn't have this like worldwide e-commerce system where you know you're getting food from across the country or across the world. And all the stuff's being made that's not natural, preservatives and random ingredients in there, chemicals. So we've so drastically altered the state of food that we're very disconnected from what it is we're putting right. in our bodies. Right, we just grab it out of the damn freezer. Yeah, you know, I, I remember going to the grocery store as a kid and my mom would be like, get whatever, you know, get whatever you want. And you just look at stuff that looked good or tasted good and just put it in the yeah. shopping cart and you get to eat it. Yeah. Like, like, there was no disconnect, like, you know, like... Me and my family and my neighbors are Go all together. We're, we're all together involved in this process and this function of eating, and we need to be connected with what it is we are eating. Because if we all went to the market and we all bought fruits and vegetables together, and we went to the butcher store and we bought our meat together, and you were doing this all locally, all with people you know, feeling like you're part of this and you're helping it. You know where they're growing it. You walk by the fields where they grow the food. You walk by the butcher place where he's taking care of his cows. You know, all this stuff, if you're connected with it, well, now you've got a reason to value it and be eating something and feel like, you know, you're tied into what you're doing. Your goal isn't to get your cocaine fix. Right. Right. So that's how drastically things have changed, it seems, you know. So for me, I look at the food thing as a big issue. Yeah. 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 I think how, how the food's connected to it is just going to drastically drastically change things you know and uh so like you think, is, you think that because you go and grab something off the shelf that it makes somebody more inclined to eat it more and think of it objectively as just an action instead of like a necessity for sustenance and energy and performance exactly right exactly you know and you create this condition where that's the expected norm that type of behavior is the norm well we have created that i mean like you're absolutely right i mean we we, we market food with little with little leprechauns and shit and like you know little freaking talking candy and uh we objectify it or we, we make it some kind of some kind of thing that we desire that we want right and they've done it with candy and so with candy is straight cocaine basically straight Imp- sugar, I, right? love, I, love, I love candy so we, just hook them, so we just hook them on that right yeah, kids give the kid give the kid candy Halloween. well then and then like the i said them. with the with the with the lucky charms i mean like or, or any other sugar filled cereal they might as well call it like sugar flakes like here you go coke like, flakes you know, coke flakes yeah here you go straight from bogota <laughs> <laughs> you know I, I i do think that point you made right there is very salient because it is that circumstantial convenience where it's just an action, you know, and the action becomes it's not about substance, it's about pleasure. Right. Your goal shouldn't be to get pleasure all the time in every action you take. And yeah. that and But unfortunately we've been conditioned that that is what to expect. Yeah, the truth everything is, should be pleasurable. World the world is not hard or it, nothing is of your inconvenience. We'll make everything convenient for you. We'll make everything pleasurable and uh, just take this soma. Yeah, I mean, why not? Because at the end of the day, it's a truism I always use because it's truism, and it's usually appropriate for most of these things. We're pattern-seeking and pattern-following creatures. That's in our design. It's how we evolved. It's how we got here. So, well, it's to make sure we don't die. So we don't die. But if we do the same thing and it's comfortable and we know that it's safe, 
we're going to stay safe. But we do this. But we're not ever able to change the pattern if we get locked into it. And what you see is you see these greater forces, you know, government, television, all these things, what role they play into pushing these patterns on us. And this pattern of behavior of going to the grocery store and eating these foods and having this type of advertising. Hey, I know are, from watching television that I cannot have a good fucking time unless I have a Bud Light. Straight up. It's got to be a Bud Light. Make it a good time. <laughs> down for anything. <laughs> are you down for yeah. anything? You know what I'm saying? Make it a good time. Have you ever seen that? Hey, have you ever seen that? Have you ever seen the, I think it was a Saturday Night Live. I can't remember who did it, but they did like a parody on the Bud Light thing when they when they they serve them the beer. And, they, and the guy goes, she goes, are you down for anything? And he's like, yeah, I'm down for anything. And then she's like, all right. She's like, all you got to do is drink this, and then we've got to go and whatever. And he's like, I got to drink that? He's like, mm, maybe I'm not down for anything. You got anything better? <laughs> <laughs> and they have this whole debate where she like starts explaining like what the down for anything is. Like, just behind that wall, there's going to be three girls in bikinis I did see that. with a sash on, and they're going to take you to a limo. And he's like, mm, but I have to drink but this. But I have to drink this beer. The entire beer. The whole thing. Yeah, I, I have seen that. And that's, what, that's a pretty good one. I'm sorry, I digress. But yes, um, but yeah, but so that's what I mean. Like that, that, that they tied something to something else. So the, the party and the beer and the wings and the game. Yeah. And the, right? It, and, exactly. You're following this pattern without even knowing why because it's just so intrinsically set in your behavior watching a movie i need to get the popcorn it tastes good man i mean we, we like to, we, we need to but eat we associate it with it we, like we, you could could you imagine if you walked into the cinema and the fucking popcorn was gone breakfast is made up you would be like what hey nobody ate cereal you don't serve popcorn no, here. nobody ate cereal until 50 years ago that's true you know that's what crazy it, breakfast right? breakfast is made up as a meal you know what I mean? Like people, people had an early morning rise at like three, four a.m. Ate then, and then they'd eat an early lunch, and then a late lunch, and then an early day. They'd eat like four or five meals a day, but there wasn't no like you wake up at six or seven and you make eggs and pancakes and and get some cereal. Some made up well, bullshit. First, you had to go get those eggs out of the freaking hen house, right? And yeah, you crack them. Yeah, you were making a Denver omelet, I'm sure. Yeah, hell yeah, for sure. And so to come back to our original topic let's try to look at the positive aspect because i want to look at this a little which is how can we change the discourse do you think so that people are motivated to make positive changes without being shamed because nobody wants to put negative energy out there but it's almost impossible to because you can't help but have like a reptilian lizard brain reaction to things when you see that heroin user who looks like he's you know gonna fall down on the corner or you see that person who's morbidly obese by 400 pounds you're going to have a subconscious lizard brain reaction to it. And that's just something people are going to have to deal with no matter what. So how can we like make changes to society to help people, you know, so they don't have to feel shamed as like a mechanism to make them change? Because shouldn't there be other mechanisms besides shame to make them change? There should be. There should be another catalyst for change. But here's the problem, right, is that we keep modifying society to meet our changing bodies, right? They change the sizes of shirts. Like I wear a small t-shirt, like I'm 175 pounds and 5'9". Like why do I wear a small? 
Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I'm a normal size yeah. guy. Like, just 20 years ago, this was like the average. I'm like an average male. So yeah. at least I should be a medium. Your wife wears a negative six size dress. Yeah, exactly. Like negative it's six. Like that. She's like, I was yeah. like a four once. Yeah, now, I, now I'm negative six. Right. So the clothes keep getting bigger to make people feel better about themselves. So, I mean, first we have to understand that we keep saying this. It's a problem. Obesity is a problem in America. Obesity is a problem in America. You know, th there's parts of this girl's message that we need to take from it and be more direct. Obesity is a problem in America. No, being fat is a problem in America and being overweight is a problem in America and a problem with your health. And overweight doesn't mean being 300 pounds overweight. Being overweight where you can cause health problems can seriously be like 20 to 30 pounds overweight and you have start having a problem. So we have to start with, with that. We have to start with the kids and talking and, and changing what people are getting as far as food is concerned. But I think that it's, you know, everybody talks about education, education. You got to know what you're putting in your body. You got to know what you're putting in your body. I mean, well, first we can start labeling things as such, right? Second, we can get out some of this processed food and we can make some food more accessible. We need to make healthier food more accessible to more people. That's what we really need to do. And that's the only way. And, or, and, and How can you get people who are so in a pattern of eating unhealthy food well, to break that pattern and start eating healthy. That's what I mean. I don't know. I don't know if you can do it just by saying, by coddling somebody and being like, you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. You can be healthy. You can be skinny. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I mean, in, in healthy and skinny don't necessarily go together no. either. You know what I'm saying? So let's, let's talk about that too. Is that like, you don't have to be skinny to be healthy, but you need to be healthier than what we're, what we're talking about. So and I don't that, know. That, that, that's I think where you hit the nail on the head because for me, it's not about fat shaming. It's about body shaming. And at the end of the day, it's like, nobody cares about your body. You know what I mean? Unless they want to have sex with you, then they probably do. Yeah. But uh, outside of that, it's like, look, we could care less about your body, but we care about you as a person. You know, like if we can make that the message where it's compassion and not, you know, hate. It's like, I love you and I care about you and your health. I could care less how you look. I want you to be around for an extra 20 years and enjoy your, your time and be able to do fun stuff with us while you're here and not be miserable and, you know, be gone sooner than we'd like. If that's the message and you convey that to that person and have it resonate with them, maybe then they'll have the motivation to start to make a change. But there needs to be more tools in place to help that person. You know, it's, it's well, how it's, come it's we so, don't have more? We just tell people like, go to the gym. Just go to the gym. Just go to the gym. Yeah. I, yeah. I, going to the gym when you're slightly overweight is tough. Going when you're morbidly obese. Now it's like all oh, these really like attractive and shape people are going to be staring at you me while what? I like you disgustingly embarrass it. myself. You killed it. Listen, I'm an athlete. You're an athlete. Sometimes when I started to go lift weights at the gym, even I was very like self-conscious. Like I'm like I'm not really sure like I know what I'm doing and there's a lot of people in here and it's kind of quiet, which is weird and I don't know. And so if if somebody like that who has, you know, some 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 coordination and some some, you know, other uh, things about them that are going to make them more apt to go to the gym, then if we're having that problem, then just think of what it's like to go there. So that's a good point. I think that we maybe need to think about some programs that are, have more accepting, maybe uh, like a buddy, a gym buddy program would be kind of cool where like, you know, you have somebody that's, that can kind of break the ice for people to get in there and do things. Maybe, I mean, we should address the other problem that it is a, uh, it is a, a chemical uh, reaction in the brain. It is an addictive type of thing. Maybe we need some more counseling and have people understand that, you know, they, they, it's serious and you have to take serious action or, and you have to be, um, have a lot of willpower in order to do it.
You know, and maybe people do know that, but I mean, I don't know. People quit their diets all the time. Quit their diets all the time. And then you hear people, and which I can't even relate to, is that they're like, I don't like to exercise. I don't even understand that. Well, what do you mean you don't like Well, Matt, you've, like you've, you've been an athlete your entire life. You know, I've played sports my entire life, but I went through a period where in college I quit playing basketball. I'd go to the gym and, and I'd lift weights every now and then, but like I basically stopped working out for like six months to a year and I got slightly overweight. You know, for the first time in my life, I knew what it was like to be slightly overweight. And that's not even much, like 15 pounds overweight, mm -hmm. 20 pounds. You know, I was weighing like 210 or something like that with more fat, less muscle. And I remember when I decided I was going to get back in shape, I was like going for runs. I was running a lot, running hills inland by San Diego State, being 90, 100 degrees outside, ruthless heat. I'm like, that's a good, good environment to run in. You'll burn a lot of weight. I hated it. I'd put on like my house music and I'd, I'd enjoy some really good house or trance and go for a run and I'd enjoy it, but I'd hate the run. It was miserable. Mm -hmm. And it took me literally years to start enjoying it to a degree. And I understood after years, it took me to understand I'd keep at it because I was so driven, you know, to keep working hard and get my goals and reach them. But it took me years to understand that you have to learn to love the pain. Because it's not that the pain ever goes away. You go from being out of shape to being in shape. And I went from like being barely able to run one 10 minute mile without almost passing out to being able to run like five, seven minute miles and be fine and keep running. It hurts like shit. It hurts even more because you can push yourself harder. So now you're pushing yourself even harder to go even faster and longer, which you are doing. And it hurts even more. But there's something about learning in that through that experience that you can endure the pain. It's very enjoyable. It's very satisfying that knowing, you know, you're, you can survive. It's not killing you. It really is making you stronger. But you have to start giving yourself doses of pain so you can start to take it. Yeah. And you got to build up your pain tolerance. In the beginning, exercise is just so ruthless when you're out of shape. If you're ridiculously out of shape, it feels like you're dying. I bet. You know what I mean? And it's, actually, you, you could. You know, it, it's, it's like the equivalent of, you know, let's just say heroin withdrawal for a heroin addict. It feels like you're dying. Yeah. You know, so you'll do anything, anything to make that feeling stop. So like when you're really out of shape and within a minute, it feels like your heart's going to explode. Like, what am I doing? Why, why would I ever want to do that to myself? Right. Because you let yourself fall so far, the journey back to the top of the mountain seems, you know, unclimbable. Insurmountable. So that's why we need to, you know, we need Sherpas. We, 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 need, we need people helping you like get to base camp so you can work your way up the mountain. You know, and you need to know they're there and they're ready to help you. And nobody cares about shaming you, you in, think, in, into like looking a certain way. We just want you to help yourself. Do you think things? And if you don't want to do it, that's cool too. But know that we want to help you still. Right. There are people out there that do care and, yeah. and they want and, and want and want. I'm not going to put a I'm out. not going to put a gun to your head and make you do jumping jacks. It's like if, if you don't want to do it at the end of the day. That's on you, but like, hey, no, you can join the team at any time. We're ready to help you. Right. We'll let that celebrity trainer from freaking Biggest Loser do that shit. Yeah, uh, Jillian or, or yeah, one Jillian of them. Michaels. She's yeah. selling like these freaking Nordic tracks to go uphill now. Yeah. Yeah. Selling something, I'm sure. Yeah. Whatever. Whatever it takes. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, hey, man, I thought that was awesome. I mean, I think this is a big time topic. I think that we do need to be sensitive and empathetic. And also be very direct because it is an epidemic. It is something that is is killing America now that over fifty percent of diabetes. That's a freaking you know, and that's 
that's significant. People being are, are, are pre-diabetic and having those issues and then being on insulin and that's medical costs and those are other things. And I don't like to relate things to monetary, you know, how, what, what it's going to cost us because in the end, it doesn't really matter, right? I mean, it's all about people, right? And it's about people being healthy. And I want you to be healthy. I want people to feel good about themselves. You know, I want people to like look in the mirror and be flexing and stuff because like that, that, that's your, that, listen, the body is the vehicle of life. That's it. Truth. The, Truth. The better it feels while you're going through it, the better experience that you have while you're here. And that's the truth. Yeah, we can cultivate that mentality where, like, as a society, we're all trying to better ourselves and encourage each other to better ourselves. Then maybe people won't be in that position where they ever let themselves fall so far because they'll have those people supporting them and driving them and encouraging them the whole way. It seems like there's not that infrastructure where if you're very young and you get mentally broken, society kind of is like happy to let, well, he gave up at life. That's his fault. See you later, sucker. Right. Fall through the cracks. That's what happens. You get a neck tattoo. Oh, he, he gave up. Hey, you know, it seemed like a good idea to get a few teardrops and a, a skull on the throat. What? I, st I stole that from Gary Seinfeld. Employers don't like that? <laughs> yep but anyway that's what i think about it man i mean i think this is a great topic i i think that there's a lot of thought behind it i think people can go out there and uh and take a little bit away from it maybe look at a different perspective that uh, we can kind of throw around today but it's always uh nice to meet up with you Devin, surrounded by these microphones this day is a hump day which is a little different middle of the week having fun yeah it was a pleasure matt i, I always enjoy uh you know these podcasts i, I Thought it was a good topic. You brought it hard today. And I'll just leave it with uh, the great Bill Burr who says, you know, don't fat shame other people. Fat shame yourself. There you go. Pow. Peace and love, gentlemen and ladies. Later.